I started realizing, well, where would uh, where would Satan hide this light that I saw on LSD? Well, he would hide it in the in space, but eventually we'd find it. He would hide it at the bottom of the sea. Eventually we'd find it. He could hide it anywhere in the earth or space, and we'd eventually find it because we launch things in space, go travel. We're intuitive creatures. Mm. But if you hid it within ourselves, that would be the last place we would look. You know mm. what I mean? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Your Mate Tom podcast. This is episode 23. We've got a classic guest, CG Kid, who's an awesome friend of mine, and he's a drug educator on YouTube, talks about his subjective experiences with certain drugs and psychedelics and also speaks about mental health, drug addiction, and man, he's just an all-around awesome dude and I think he's doing a, a lot of good for the world. So please support him, go on his YouTube channel. You can also check out our conversation we had on his podcast. And, but yeah, man, apart from that, uh, feel free to check out Spotify and iTunes where you can also find the Your Mate Tom podcast. Yeah, feel free to give us a five-star review. It really does help out. And uh, I'm definitely going to get more into these podcasts. We've got a few more guests in the lineup. Please feel free to check out my website, Your Mate Tom. You can sign up to our email list. And this is the best way to stay in direct communication and find out about like exclusive offers, future events, and special releases and things like that. Because you know, YouTube isn't exactly reliable we had a video deleted the other day so it's just yeah it's it's hard to say where this is going to go maybe everything's going to turn out okay but just in case check out my website and of course if you've received any value from my channel or these podcasts then feel free to become a monthly supporter on patreon your generous donations really do help a lot and even as little as five bucks a month makes all the difference enjoy the podcast Hope you have a good one, and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. I also want to give a shout out to my good friend, Jason Stevenson, who does awesome free guided meditations. Go check out the description box below, click the link, and I'll see you on the other side. Peace. guys so we're live in quarantine zone with my mate mm -hmm. cg kid what's going on what's up man yeah how you doing i'm good i'm just like chilling going pretty crazy man people are like going nuts with uh toilet paper so it's a bit of an apocalypse yeah i they ran out of condoms where i go <laughs> did you and i'm like dude social distancing people i had to order mine on amazon i'm about to quarantine and chill i'm looking for a lucky lady to hopefully repopulate the ginger species in case we go extinct <laughs> so i've been on tinder just basically like anybody want to quarantine and chill and like repopulate gingers I i've That's heard my tinder profile is that true or is that a myth because i've heard that the ginger species are like decreasing or is that just bullshit it's it's they're decreasing man that thing is gonna wipe us out is it so really? i'm gonna breed with somebody i'm gonna find some yeah i need to find some wow. selective breeding produce the coronials you know so like in a thousand years you guys are gonna be considered like the extinct dodo bird or some shit 
We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna be the dodo bird or unicorn. It depends on where you want to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually gonna say unicorn, but yeah, man, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, how are things going yeah. over there though? Like, are people calm or gone crazy, panicking? They're free. Everybody's free. A lot of people are freaking out. Oh. I feel like like this whole thing is like bringing out the best in people and the worst in people. It, it kind of depends on who you are, you know. Mm. How are you feeling? Are you panicking? I feel are you calm as a cucumber? I feel perfectly fine. I sometimes get angry when I see like stupidity. Like I was at Walmart the other day, which I never go to, and it was like everything good is sold out. Everything you're left with like a can of bean that's beans that's like fifteen dollars, and I'm like, God damn it. Damn. I just like the stupidity of people, you know, <laughs> like sometimes I get angry. But other than that, I've been really calm. Yeah, it kind of like worries me of something like how people freak out over a situation like this. And it makes me think like, man, what happened if like something like, this is serious, but I mean like really serious, like war breaks out or something like really intense. How would people react? Yeah, um, I mean, when you look in the past of like World War II, Vietnam War, it was like, you know, people... I think initially they freak out, but I think over the long run we come together. Mm. I think that a lot of good has actually come out of this because it forces people out of their comfort zone. Yeah, like you can't really awaken in your comfort zone. I feel like we've been living living in a comfort zone for so long that a lot of people aren't really uh, are given the opportunity where they're put in a situation where they have to awaken. Like the only way to be comfortable right now is not to live on the surface. Mm. It's, it's the only way is to live in um, a deeper place. Like some call it the spirit or consciousness or whatever. Um, the awareness. Or, uh, and uh, I was going through addiction and I got so depressed I had to find that place before this happened mm. uh, to get through my depression. So that, I think that's why I'm, I'm facing this adversity a lot easier than I would have like a year ago. Yeah, you went through uh, training beforehand. Yeah, yeah, for something like recovery. this. Yeah, okay. yeah if, even yeah. like myself, I'm pretty calm about it. Like I'm not freaking out. So, well, because man, like just not too long ago, I came from Chile, which is there is an actual war zone over there. Like people going on full out war with cops, and there's tear gas, and people getting killed, and eyes taken out, and rubble everywhere, graffiti of like kill cops. Like it was fucking intense. So like coming from that to this. It's pretty calm. Um, yeah. Actually, you know what? Like like I was talking to you before, it's pretty lucky that I live in Australia and you live in the US. We've got a lot of resources. So things are going to be okay as long as people don't overly freak out. But in Chile, man, because of this virus, man, I've heard that there's been a lot of armed robbery from supermarkets, small businesses, people taking hostages. Like That's like when real shit hits the fan, you know? So I think we should be very grateful that we live in a developed country. We got it easy here, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like you for said, for sure. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of people have these theories, like it's biochemical warfare, or it's um, caused by G five technology, or, or this, that, and the other. And you know, teach their own. They can believe what they want. But like the way I'm seeing this situation is like Mother Nature's conscience, and it's trying to teach us a lesson. You know, it's kind of like if anything, we as humans are the virus and coronavirus is like the antibody from nature. That's basically mm. like because I mean, like if you look around, people aren't driving their cars as much. So they're giving like the environment a break and we're yeah. becoming a lot more socially conscious. 
as far as being aware of, you know, the homeless population and certain things like that. And we're kind of unified. I've noticed the dialogue like before on, on Facebook or whatever. It's like your friends would be like, fuck you. You support Trump. Fuck you, libertard. And it's like people were just so nasty to each other. But now it's like we have a common thing and we're kind of like given all these opportunities to help each other out in small ways, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Common enemy, man. What's yeah. it, it's in, there's a, I don't, I can't cite the study, so forgive me, but I remember reading it somewhere that said that with every, whenever there's a catastrophe, like a natural disaster, mental health issues like depression, anxiety dramatically decrease because there's like a common purpose and you're forced to bond together in a community and, and you know, you know what I mean? Like do something. So it's yeah. like you've got to focus. I found that really interesting that in times yeah. of great catastrophe, <laughs> depression goes down because you have no time to be depressed. You've got to do something, right? Your survival instinct yeah. kicks up. So, and maybe when we're too comfortable, that's when things like that can manifest itself. Yeah. So I so find that living interesting. on the surface. Yeah. 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 And it's even now, like you said, like, I think it's, this is a, going to have a long-term positive effect for the most mm -hmm. part because i'm sure there's going to be some negatives like with everything in life but it's putting our priorities in order even for myself man i'm thinking like shit man if all the supermarkets were to close down what would i do i, I don't have my own garden i'm not growing my own fruit and vegetables and like what the fuck would we do if the system just collapsed like that so it kind of makes you think and like fuck i should plan for things like this None of us were prepared, mm -hmm. man. <laughs> yeah, doomsday, doomsday preppers. Their time has come. Yeah, I'm, they're, they're I'm laughing. Like I told you, I told you, uh, motherfuckers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they're ready. Yeah, yeah. man. But fuck For sure. Me. I think it's cool how it's like it's bringing us all into our homes, and and it's it's interesting to me that people are so uncomfortable being with themselves. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like it's kind of teaching us to be comfortable with ourselves. And I think that a lot of um, addiction in general is just distracting. It was distracting myself from being with myself. And it's all about distraction. It's like my thoughts would project into the future. This could happen. The economy could collapse. My mom could die. I could die. Mm. And think of all these scenarios as if they're real. And that's like why I was always uncomfortable being with myself. Because with myself, with nothing to do, my mind would just race and create scenarios so it's interesting to me that people are kind of forced in a situation where they have to work through that and realize that, you know, our thoughts are, we are not our thoughts and we actually can be aware of them and we can actually stop thinking that way, but it takes practice mm. and being by, with yourself. Like even on when you're meditating or going on the meditation retreats, a lot of it is spent, you know, with yourself, quiet, you know, mm. uh, and looking within yourself to find something greater than your mind, which for me is like awareness. It's like the practice of surrender, right? The art of surrendering. Mm -hmm. That's why you mm -hmm. gotta you gotta die before you die. So that way, when things like this happen, you're untouchable. You're like, well, it's gonna happen anyway. Because some people yeah. do it. Some people are fucking really, really freaking out, man. And it's not the virus that concerns me. It's people's reaction to the virus that concerns me. It's Absolutely. Even, yeah, it's even like you go to the supermarkets and like man people are like stocking up and i'm like jesus man guys you got to calm down there's plenty of food it's it's okay but because other people are freaking out and stocking up i'm like shit man i'm gonna have to stock up now because of all the people who are freaked out but mm -hmm. yeah interesting times man this is definitely an interesting 
story, like part of the human story. So it's going to mm. be interesting how this plays out. But it was a lot. Mm. I, I am guilty of thinking that I thought that this was like not that serious, but yeah, this thing's escalating really quickly. So it's it's serious. And it it's, is serious, definitely. I'm actually excited for the opportunity to walk through it. You know, I, I see pain is not necessarily a bad thing. I kind of have a reverse psychology thing I do on myself. Mm. There's like a saying like the ego weeps for what it lost while the spirit rejoices for what it's found, mm. you know, and at the end of the day, like pain, uh, adversity, like grows us internally. It gives us inner strength. It's like if you assign meaning to pain, then it, it becomes less painful. Mm. And I, I kind of had to live that way because I was battling depression for like two years and went through a relapse and all kinds of stuff. So I, I had to get to a point where I embrace, embrace the pain rather than run from it. And that's mm. like the key to my recovery uh, from addiction, which for me is like a state of mind. It's like I said to you before, it's like just needing to distract myself from myself, not being comfortable with myself. You know what I mean? Mm. And I would do that with TV. I'd get watch a, a show and get enveloped in it. And it's like I'm so focused on that. I'm really just distracting myself. But it's like if the TV was off, the Internet was gone, all these things are gone, all the distractions were gone, how would I feel? I would feel horrible. Mm. And um, that's like what addiction is for me, you know, and, and pain, losing things losing the ability to distract myself is an opportunity to have inner strength. I learned a lot of that from Viktor Frankl. He was a guy who survived the Holocaust and he came up with some called logotherapy. And he was talking about how Jews in the Holocaust found meaning, uh, some, some form of meaning in the pain or, and they were able to, um, have inner triumph. They realized pain is a unique challenge to each and every individual. Only we could face it. We face it alone. And uh, we could walk through it with integrity and honesty and come out the other end stronger. You know what I mean? Mm. Dude, that book was really profound, man. Man, Search for mm. Meaning, for those who are interested. Man, so, so mm. good. I, that book really helped me while I was going through like a brutal existential crisis. And I'm thinking like, man, if this guy can come out the other side from the Holocaust, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I'm like, I'm excited for the opportunity to walk through it. Is there some fear? Yes. Pain is never pleasant. But it's like, I, I don't focus on that. I try to focus on what good can come out of this because the, the fear is usually almost always projecting into the future. And right now, currently right now, um, my mom isn't dying. I'm not dying. <laughs> I'm not homeless. So I try to stay in the now and I realize my mind will play tricks on me and, um, go on this thing where it goes in there. That's where fear always comes from, for me at least, as mm. a projection. And then, you know, in the moment when there's a fight or flight reflex, like something bad is actually happening right now, it makes sense to be afraid. That's the fight or flight, you know? That's yeah. like the brain prote protecting me. But it's important that I use my brain as a tool and don't let my brain use me like I'm a tool, you know what I mean? And who am I? I'm not my brain. I'm um, consciousness, you mm. know? It's like I'm a, I could be aware of my thoughts. And the fact that I'm aware of them means what is aware. It's like if I say, say something in my head, you know, I'm the one who speaks it and the one who hears it. So there's like a duality. I talk to myself in my head. Um, and uh, that duality is, is something I have to recognize and recognize that I'm not the voice in my, in my head. I'm the one that hears the voice. And if I listen to my thoughts, uh, I could be aware of them and I could start changing the way I think and feel, you know, and I had, I've been doing this practice for a long time, like with my relapse and shit, 
Um, so this is like my recovery and I was depressed for like, well, it was like two years. The last year it got really bad when it got bad. It got horrible. Um, and, uh, I tried everything. I tried psychiatry therapy, going back to school, working a 12 step program, going to the gym, literally everything anybody could think of to deal with depression. I tried, I even went 30 30 day rehab program. Nothing worked. Uh, None of that worked until like I, I got to the meditation is what really worked but it was like mindfulness meditation it wasn't like like i used to think of meditation just being quiet in a dark room and closing your eyes and imagining a pretty place and that that helps me start and end my day i do that but meditation and mindfulness meditation is a throughout the day process of trying to be present and whenever Mm. my thoughts trail off it's grounding myself and saying i don't need to think about what's going to happen you know a year from now I don't need to think about somebody else's problems. Like right now I could just be, and I had to ground myself so many times throughout the day, but now it's becoming where I'm present way more often. And, and uh, how, how do you ground yourself and be present? Is just like you're focusing on your breath or like the situation in front of you or like, how do you go so about like, that? That's a good question. Like I'll be driving and you know, I'll be thinking, man, I should have called so-and-so fuck. Like, should I, should I pull over and call him now? No, I'm not going to call him, you know? And then I start thinking, I wonder if he's mad. I wonder what he'll say. I wonder what my excuse is going to be. I catch myself at some point and I just feel gravity. I feel my butt in the seat. Um, I feel all senses and I, I'm in the car driving and I'm like, you know, feeling the air entering and leaving my lungs, maybe the breeze from rolling down the window, seeing all the you know, the seeing everything and looking at the grass and looking at the trees and the other cars and just being a part of, you know, sometimes I'll look around and be like, man, it's so crazy how everybody in this, in these cars has like a story and an experience, Mm. you know, and like, it's like not assigning, like treating every experience as if it's something new. So not looking at grass as if I've seen it a thousand times and think that's grass, but looking at it like, wow, this is crazy, you know? So that's like, like being present is really about just being what are my senses what is going on right now you know and um i've been practicing that for a while with this whole corona thing that's like i'll catch my mind trailing off into oh i'm so mad about this or i'm so mad this person said that then i catch myself and just ground myself but i don't have to ground myself as much as i used to yeah you just find it more like an automatic response now yeah i catch myself a lot easier when i start living in my mind that's what the mind does you know the mind wants us it's like a velcro and it attaches to negative experiences and it's like it's crazy how the mind works like there's a thought of i could think right now i'm hungry right now and i'm talking to you and like you could be talking to me and i'm thinking about where i'm gonna go to eat or what i'm gonna eat after (laughs) this and i'm thinking of all these different things you know like that's the mind it's okay if it gives me the thought of i'm hungry right now but then it's like velcro like i attach myself to that thought and i have to plan out everything right you know what i mean like are you gonna allow that thought into your house and serve it tea and food and fucking have yeah. a conversation with it are you just gonna to do the it? point where <laughs> I, I don't even hear anything you just told me you know yeah. and then it's like fuck i was supposed to be listening so <laughs> even in this moment you know it's a practice of staying present and listening to every word that that you're saying and that's so so important to me yeah definitely you yeah know? yeah well it's, it's like myself like even like when you have like imaginative arguments in your mind like isn't that the f- stupidest thing you can do like oh man yeah. you just have arguments and you're thinking like man i should i should have said this and like ah oh, yeah i fucking got him good like you're thinking of these zingers that you could have and you're patting yourself on the bat on the on the back it's and you're crazy just, 
Sometimes it's you spend like half that... an hour, an hour doing this shit, and it's like, dude, what the hell did I just do for the past hour? Such it's an, crazy. Yeah, I think people. I think myself. Like the reason I would think so much about the outside is I wanted it turn the outside world into a world I could control. It makes me feel comfortable because our mental world we feel like we can control, mm. but the outside world we have no control over. And I think people are afraid of of uncertainty. And uh, though you know what what's been helping me a lot with that is like once I started being more present and accepting reality the way it is, it's like now reality is much more like a surprise than an uncertainty. Mm. You know, I, I listen to uh, Alan Watts a lot and I like what he said. He said at the height of human innovation, we would create a machine where every button you get whatever you want, every pleasure, every experience, and you're there and you have all eternity to play with all these buttons and eventually you're going to click a button that says surprise and you're going to end up right where you are right now. Mm. You know, because eventually you're just going to want something that's surprising and that's kind of how the future seems for me. It seems like, a surprise and I think a lot of that is a, I don't uncertainty it's like I want to put that uncertainty into my mind so I could turn it into a form of certainty but it's still never certainty you still never know what's mm. going to happen but it you doesn't even I mean? it doesn't even necessarily have to be a negative thing uncertainty could be something good it's like watching a movie like do you really want spoilers do you really want to know what happens or do you want to go along the journey and see how it unfolds yeah. that's how I feel like yeah. imagine imagine if you know if you knew everything that was going to happen, imagine knowing the day that you were going to die. How much would that fuck with your mind for the rest of your life? Yeah, it'd be boring. Yeah. You make a brazen good point with movies. That's like a really good point. And it's interesting because I feel like I identified with my thoughts way too much before mm. rather than observing them like a biological process. Like life is almost like a movie and our awareness is watching all these senses and all these thoughts but it's like in a movie when something scares me, it, it's not like I, I plan for that to happen. Mm. I plan the outcome and I obsess all the time later or something really bad happens to a character and it's like, I'll get a little sad, but it's like, it didn't happen to me. I don't identify with it. So I let go of it. Yeah. But it's like, I, I identify with my thoughts too much because the truth is I don't believe people are their thoughts, their emotions, their experiences, their perceptions. I believe humans are consciousness and, um, People are now, they're in the present, and everything is possible within them. But it's like when they think that there are, there are thoughts, they get way too attached to what they're thinking. They think, because I think it, it must be true, and they get wrapped up. And this is, uh, I feel like, almost like the um, the cause of all addictions is that, you know, if, if you identify with their thoughts and you're wrapped in that mental world, eventually you're going to want to turn your mind off. That's what drugs do. They're, they're numbing agents. Mm. Like addictive drugs, uh, one commonality between meth, opiates, alcohol, every all those things is that they numb. They make people able to stop thinking. And there's another way. It's awareness. You know, they're, they always talk about power greater than ourselves in, in recovery meetings. And that always confused me. But really what I believe it is is just a power greater than my thoughts. Mm. You know, what is our uh, – you have to have a clear conception of self. And our self is our thoughts and feelings. And what's a power greater? It's our awareness because our awareness, if we're aware of our thoughts – like if I say, say hello in your head five times, you can make yourself do it because you're aware that I asked you to do that. So you, in the end of the day, control your thoughts. Now, if I told somebody to stop thinking for like three minutes and I'll give them a million dollars, that would be very hard for them. Mm. So then we start realizing that. It's a practice to learn to stop thinking, but in the end of the day, we do our awareness does control our thoughts. Exactly, and, and the thoughts never like really to, stop. Yeah. It's just that you have to not attach yourself to it too much. 
Yeah. Or if you yeah. do attach yourself to the thoughts, just again, like do it from a form of entertainment. It's like when I watch a movie, sometimes I will purposely attach myself to the character as if it's real, just so I can have that thrill of, so, so it feels real, you know what I mean? But I can always yeah. unattach myself if I want to. That's kind of yeah, the that's... approach I have to my life. Because like, so if, your li- if, you, if your life is awesome, then there's nothing wrong with being attached to it at the moment, as long as you know exactly. that it's temporary. You know. Yeah, yeah, and this coronavirus is a, in a way, it's an amazing opportunity for people to look within themselves and find their awareness. You know, because they can't control what's going to happen. Exactly. They can plan for what they're going to do in the future, but we don't know the outcome of anything right now. But every, know, everything that... has purpose. It's like a movie, right? Like even when the main character has is in a shitty situation, it's always for a purpose for their character arc for them to rise up to the challenge and work on whatever they need to work on. Like, there's always mm-hmm. a purpose with everything. So I believe as well, mm-hmm. like you, that this is probably going to be for the best. Even China, man, apparently they can see this. I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't confirmed it, but I've heard that for the first time since they've shut down the factories, they can see the, the sky again. For mm-hmm. the first time in God knows how long. So that's yeah. kind of good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's for the best. I think it's good. I just, I'm lucky. I, I had this awakening experience before all this went down, and it's a great opportunity to talk to other people that are struggling with their fears and not invalidate them. Just be there for them. It's something I can, I can handle now. You know, mm. I can listen, and uh, if they ask for my input, I could share my input, just like I'm sharing it with you. Mm. That, you know, I think people do as much as like staying on top of the news and stuff. I, I do think it's entertainment. It's like watching a zombie film. But I think it is important for me personally to step away and uh, to read or listen to Alan Watts or get into like some meditative stuff or more spiritual based stuff, you know. Yeah. Because it's like uh, the news right now, it's it's good, but it's like junk food. It has to be in moderation because <laughs> some people I think are just way too wrapped up in it, you know, to take a break. Fear porn. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I have to watch myself. Occasionally, I'll get wrapped, too wrapped up in it, and I start feeling the anxiety kicking in, and then I'm like, okay, let's step back and uh, listen to some Eckhart Tolle or something. I'm throwing out some names so people can look these guys yeah. up, but they're, re- they're really soothing, you know? Or Terrence McKenna even has some great uh, stuff on meditation and, and worry and fear and stuff, and it's great to listen to him as well. Yeah, exactly. Listen to whoever you got to listen to as long as they give you, you know, positive feelings and yeah. practical advice, which is even more important. Because it's not just about listening to a teacher who makes you feel good. It's got to be yeah. practical as well. Take action. Exactly. Yeah, man. Do you reckon that the Corona beer would go up or down in sales since this? Up. up totally. Up, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I think they showed it has actually a 5% increase in sales. Oh, shit. <laughs> the Corona beer. Maybe it's a conspiracy. Thought, yeah, dude, it's conspiracy, man. Corona made it. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, I mean, my recovery has been great. Um, had actually, it, I tried you, sorry, LSD to, for the first time. Sorry to cut you off because I want to lead into that, yeah. man, because I haven't talked to you since, man, so... You went through a relapse. Do you want to like just go through that? How yeah. what triggered that and how did you get through it? It seems like you're yeah. doing great, so I'm happy for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the relapse, I would say it's... I don't think my recovery was ever right. 
and uh, there's no right way to recover. I just think it was inevitable. I was going to relapse. I look back, I was like sober six and a half years. And when I look back on it, like when I got sober, really the the drive was, I remember being like 23 years old. So this is like seven years ago. And this is the day I got sober. And I, I really just thought that my life wasn't going to go anywhere on this path. I was right. just like, I'm going to end up in prison. I'm going to end up dead. I'm going to end up a felon. I'm going to end up not being able to function or get a job. So that's like, like, that was a big reason why I got sober. You know, I just saw that it was progressively getting worse. Like when I was 23, I looked back because I started using at 17. I was like, six years ago, it was not this bad. So what's it going to be like six years from now? Like it was a very logical thing. And when I got sober, I kind of based my sobriety around that. Like it was like, um, I'm going to work hard. You know, I'm going to accomplish things. And I, I did accomplish a lot. You know, I, I got a degree. I got a good job. But it's like the more I accomplished, the more empty I, I started feeling. And I think the reason I felt more empty is because I got wrapped up into everything I was doing. So I got wrapped up into my um, my drive, like with music or with school. And it was like my drive was um, what made me happy. And I would feel good whenever it's like I got the new job. But then it's like three months down the road, it's like I start to feel empty. Like this isn't good as good as it was you know i got to find something else hmm. so then it's like i pick up a new hobby like i got into shooting guns so I, I pick up a new hobby and it gets me excited but then after a while it kind of like loses its allure youtube was the same way it's like you know my channel started growing oh i was excited but eventually it was like oh yeah you know this is just what i do now you hmm. know and it's like I was living on a, on a very surface level, and it, it led to, like, severe depression. The more I accomplished, the more empty I felt. And um, Why do you, it was why do you like, think that is? Um, I got wrapped up into each thing, and the bigger the thing was, the more wrapped up into it I got. So mm. the worse the come down. It's almost like the greater the high, the worse the come down. Yeah, yeah. I, I got high when I got a tech job that paid well. I went from being a 10-an-hour cashier to making good money at a tech company. And um, I got high. And the thing is, the greater the high, the greater the fall. You know, becoming a YouTuber is a great high, but it's yeah. like the greater the high, the greater. So the fall, eventually it got to a point. And also, it's like society has told me since I was young, if you accomplish a lot, you'll be happy. Like, mm. that's what I've always believed. I believed, uh, you know, you're told as a kid, the world's your oyster, go out, work hard. And if you get money, fame, have meaningful relationships, you'll be happy. And it's like, it got to a point where it's like I wasn't making that much money, but I had some notoriety, some money. I had some meaningful relationships, and I wasn't happy. So it gets to a point of what's wrong with me. Mm. It's because nothing worked anymore. Like nothing works. I, I basically had depleted the dopamine rush from accomplishing things to the point where, you know, I went back to the gym to get healthy, but it's like, like it's almost like you get a tolerance. Like <laughs> it's as crazy as it sounds to get a tolerance to success. It's where like, yeah, you lost a couple pounds and you're getting in better shape, but it's not as good as that time when you were blowing up on YouTube or you got that tech job and mm. you get almost numb. And that's like addiction because in a way I was always distracting myself by accomplishing things. And mm. um, so then I got severely depressed, like so bad that I just remember being in a room like full of trash where I had to walk over it, not being able to leave my room for three days. I was staring at a wall for three days doing nothing. And it was like nothing could distract me from this misery. Like social media didn't work, nothing. It was severe depression. I felt this circle of hatred around me, almost like a mirror. And I hated myself. 
and uh, I went on like that for a while, like a year. And even in my videos, I was still making videos, but I see it when I look back. Like if I watch them, it's like the long hair. You know, people mm. are like, that was not like a fashion statement. That was depression. And then the greasy hair, that was not hairstyling gel. That was not showering. Mm. You know, and it's like I look back at him like, holy shit. Like it got it got really bad. And I was out in the public and um, I tried everything in this time. I tried, you know, therapy and going back going back to school, I thought, hey, maybe there's going to be an aha moment out of something, and uh, nothing worked. It seemed like everything would fall apart, and then uh, I, I even tried unhealthy things like sex or um, spending money, sometimes like just saving money, like nothing really worked, and then it got to a point where I was like, YouTube fully demonetized my channel, and this was like the triggering point. I w it was already going to happen, but I was like, I couldn't think that night. I mean, I couldn't sleep because Wait, I was when, thinking. When was this? Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted. Uh, it's uh, October eighth. Okay, last year. I'm and I, I know, yeah. I know that because I relapsed on October 9th. Hmm. Uh, so it was a day after. That's and, why. And I knew you think that, that demonetization was like a trigger, sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back, or? Yeah, straw that broke the camel's back. A thin yeah. one because thin, it wouldn't yeah. have taken much. You know, and I was just laying up at night like thinking, what am I going to do for money? Like my whole life's going to change. Mm. It wasn't so much I was afraid of losing YouTube. I wasn't – it didn't make me that happy anymore. Nothing did. And, it was much more – Why did they demonetize you? They said I was promoting drugs. Okay. <laughs> And then like and this whole did Twitter that get fixed though? I'm, I'm assuming it, it, got it, fixed, it, it got fixed like three days later after I relapsed. But I was just I couldn't sleep, and I was already having problems with obsession. So like even in this year when I was depressed, I was always worried about something. I would always think like, you know, somebody's gonna find out something I said on social media, and they're gonna start a cancel culture movement against right. me. Right. Or I was always worried about you know my channel getting banned or something bad happening or. Just worried in general. I was worried I would never be successful. I was mm. worried that I really, you know, screwed up. And uh, so I always thought too much and I couldn't sleep very well. And uh, that was part of my depression. But whenever I was demonetized, I just couldn't stop thinking. And I thought, man, if I could just smoke some weed, I could go to sleep. That was like literally it. And I thought I'll use this as a tool to get through this. And then, uh, you know, it wasn't a logical decision because I needed to find a job at that point in my mind. But and, you know, they drug test, but I was basically like looking for a way out of my thoughts. And then uh, so I started smoking weed and that just I went to California. I ended up weeds legal there. So I ended up like boofing freaking edibles, like oh, going nuts. Shit. High potent stuff, <laughs> I assume as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> like boofing edibles on the beach, freaking THC, it's chaps. Yeah. Oh, stop. I spent so much money on weed out there. And then when I came back, it was like I had full-blown withdrawal. Mm. So then I, I went to a doctor and said I was anxious and got prescribed Valium. So then I was popping Valium left and right. And I had oh, finals shit. coming up for school, so I just rationalized it. I knew I couldn't keep using, but I was like, I can't withdraw and study for finals. So I was like, let me get Valium for the anxiety. Everything had a justification. Then I'm taking Valium for the anxiety, and I'm like, well – I need something to help me sleep, and weed's not doing it anymore. Because I took Valium thinking it would help me get off weed, but I ended up smoking weed again anyways. Right. Like the insanity, looking back, none of it made any sense. But then it's like, you know, now it's like, well, weed doesn't make me sleep anymore. Now I need liquor. So then I started drinking liquor like crazy. It got to where I was taking like 40 milligrams of Valium a day and drinking about a fifth of Jack Daniels at night. Damn. Every day. 
and I was um, smoking weed the whole time. And then, and then it got to where I just I took Adderall to help me study, and then I ended up jerking off for like eight hours. Oh, in the, <laughs> yeah. And the the messed Brutal. up thing is I was at my mom's house at the time, and I uh, I didn't drive home because I didn't want the Adderall to wear off, and she don't have locks in her bathroom. So I was like, well, how am I going to watch porn here? And I don't want to waste 30 minutes driving home. So then I go in the bathroom and just turn on the, the bathtub and I have it drizzling. And I have like porn on the laptop and I'm like paying for webcam girls and shit. Well, knowing that, I mean, my mom was like, he's in the bath. So I was like, hopefully she didn't just barge in. But there's no locks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a certain way. And I'm going at it. It's like so embarrassing right now looking back. Like, and then I was like. Well, I was like, well, that was fun. So the second time I took Adderall, there was no justification. It was purely I'm getting high. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I met a girl and had sex with her for like seven hours. And then wow. uh, at some point, I Impressive. realized I wasn't studying and um, I wasn't going to have to stop using regardless. So I just stopped. And I was sober for about six weeks. Um, I had a, the worst withdrawal ever. It's like benzo, alcohol, and weed at the same time. Having hallucinations. Wow. I thought people were like in the attic of like an apartment. <laughs> like, <laughs> like... Uh, that's a crazy combination, man. Yeah, I've never done benzos or I think I take Valium once. Never taken Ritalin, so yeah. But yeah, man, that's fucking that's a crazy combination. So it was just like a, a downward spiral. Just that one smoking that joint was just opened the doors, and you're like, yeah, fuck it, I'm here now. Might as well yeah, keep going. Because, well, weed withdrawals were real for me, and it's bad. And then weed it changes who I am. Yeah. Like having over six and a half years, I could tell you unequivocally, it's not just the withdrawal. Like when I'm smoking every day, I'm not the same person. No, of course I'm not. not. You're changing your chemistry. You're going to act and think differently. Even with the tolerance, yeah. you know, I'm not even getting high on it anymore. I'm not. The, that's the scariest part for me about weed. Mm. It's a sneaky one. It's a like a ninja addiction. It just kind of sneaks up on you because you think you can get away with smoking a lot, and that's yeah. when they get you. Yeah, it's just so weird because like I'm vaping right now. I mean, I, I quit nicotine, and uh, when mm-hmm. I quit nicotine, not much of my personality really changed. Like when I vape every day, I'm still me. I'm gonna say it, but when I smoke weed every day, because with vaping you get a tolerance, and with the tolerance, I'm still the same person. To an extent. I mean, there's got to be some difference. But with weed, I completely change. My mm. decisions change. The way I process reality, my ability to socialize changes. Everything changes. And then when I come mm. off it, the withdrawal is just so bad for me. And I, uh, this time was worse than any other time. Well, yeah, weed, weed's a lot more potent than nicotine. Nicotine is one of the very few drugs that I enjoy. I don't have it through cigarettes or anything like that. Like, I don't know if you smoke like mapacho, which is a amazonian tobacco which has like zero chemicals but it has 10 times the amount of nicotine but i love it man like in that culture they consider tobacco to be like the master of master plant teachers you know Mm. it's just that western culture has hijacked cigarettes put god knows how many chemicals in it and then it's Mm -hmm. like it made it really bad for us but i'm not saying that tobacco is or nicotine is good for you but it's one of the drugs now that i can enjoy and i don't get addicted to it contrary Mm. to belief even though people will say nicotine is more addictive than weed but for me personally that is definitely not the case weed is a million times more addictive (laughs) than that's how it is for me that's for me for for me so before people go crazy listening (laughs) how dare you 
Like, well, we changes my consciousness a lot more. Yeah, and yeah, for me, it's like I go into it thinking I'm just going to smoke a couple nights. And I remember the first night I woke up in the morning and I smoked. The first thing I did was smoke. Hmm. So I went back on that decision. And I believe it's because my my consciousness was already starting to change. You know, and I was like, wow, that helped me sleep. Well, I want to sleep again. And then I wake up from that. I want to sleep again, you know, and it's like I, I fall into weed so fast. When I went back into nicotine, it's like it was much more of a a, a job to get back into it than it was <laughs> yeah. with weed. Weed is something I just like fall into like so gracefully. And I'm just like, take me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> weed, weed's a lot more enjoyable than smoking like a cigar, for yeah. example. You know, it's, it's tough to get through an entire cigar. Without yeah, being yeah. like, all right, fuck, I've had, I've had enough, man. You know, you can get turned off it a lot quicker. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, and then the volume, alcohol, and I did DXM and I shat my pants because I took, like, way too much. Mm. I don't I don't remember the exact amount. It was definitely over 1,000 milligrams. I couldn't even move. But um, so then, I, you know, I had six weeks of sobriety, but I was still depressed. And then right. I had a moment where I was like, it was, they call it suicidal ideation. It was much more of like, it wasn't like a desire to kill myself, but it was like a, I'm un, it was like, I don't care. You know, I, I thought I tried everything. I tried drugs. I tried psychiatry. I tried therapy. I tried it all. And I thought the only thing I haven't tried is ending my own life. And that's like where the idea kind of came in. And that's, that's when I realized I had a problem and needed help. So when I went to rehab, I went to a mental health facility, not a drug addiction rehab. Because like staying sober those six weeks, it wasn't hard for me at all. Mm. Um, it wasn't like I was craving using. I was craving just not to be depressed anymore. And I, I saw that drugs don't work. Like I fell apart. So mm. in that time, I was getting benzos and alcohol. It's like failing all my classes, just being a mess, like laying in bed, de- basically having like, like a, a vegetable. Mm. You know, and um, so then I was like, uh, well, that didn't work. Nothing works. I went to rehab. I got out of rehab and I was like, well, rehab didn't work. I was ha- I was OK while I was in rehab. But when I got back, I was just depressed. It's like rehab creates this environment for you that you're socially connected. You have things to do. You have a purpose. Like, it's great that they create that environment for you. And a lot of times they have like aftercare plans. But once you get home, it's like you're back in that isolated darkness you know what i mean yeah that could, that could so, be the toughest phase right the integration going back home oh yeah and then i was going to you know support group meetings but i was still really depressed and that's when um i made a a video i already knew i was gonna make it when i was in rehab i already decided that i was gonna tell my audience like yeah. i lied in a couple of videos and when i realized i was gonna tell them was before I went to rehab when I was in that suicidal ideation place because I was like that it felt like a tidal wave like that was just way too much to handle yeah, yeah, yeah. to tell half a million people like it's easy for me to talk about my past but to talk about where I'm at especially when I'm already depressed and anxious tell me um, about it so would you, would you say the pressure was a significant factor of like people looking up to you as this mental health drug addiction expert like, it was just uh, – it was not so much that. It was just the um, the vulnerability, the mm. making myself that vulnerable. It was not just being audience, uh, honest with um, you know, the people that watched me that I never met, but it was being honest with my old coworkers, my old boss, all mm. my friends, my mom, my dad, my whole family all at once. It was being honest with everybody. You know, people will recognize me on the street, and it's like being, it's like being honest with them too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like 
I was in rehab and, you know, a couple of times people approached me to get a picture with me when we had outings. And I was like, imagine being honest with that many people about this, you know, mm. and I was already depressed and anxious. I didn't think I could handle it. Um, I was already I felt like I wanted to die somewhat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so too, I went yeah, to rehab. Didn't want to push yeah. it. Yeah. <clears throat> but when I went to rehab and I got out and I was still depressed and I was still going to meetings, I was like, "This is the one thing I haven't tried." It was literally my last resort. So it's like I tried drugs, that didn't work. I tried all these other things. So let me just be honest as fuck. And I remember before, when I made that video, it was hard. But when I, before I clicked publish, I had like an anxiety attack, and then. When I saw people were really loving, because I didn't, I hated myself hmm. at this time, and um, they invalidated that self hatred by loving me, even though I hated my. They invalidated it, and uh, I cried. I like broke down. It's on my second channel, CG Kid Vlogs, because I was crying so hard. I was like, "Fuck it, let me like actually record this, so I never forget what my bottom is like." Hmm. And uh, yeah, I recorded it for myself, and then. Um, I ended up like just putting it on a second channel and starting that channel where it's more about my depression recovery. And you see me kind of going through all these things. Like I'm trying everything, reading books, everything on that channel. And um, the one thing that worked for me was the last thing I was willing to try, and it was meditation. Um, I realize now, like it was the last thing I was willing to try because I I think if I if I'm obsessed about financial problems, I need to fix them. Mm. Like I need to fix things outside of me. If I'm obsessed about not having a video right now, I need to make one. Like that's how I always solve my problems. If mm. I'm obsessed about failing a class, I need to study and make an A. So right, I always right. solve Focus on what's outside. in front of you. Yeah. So it's like meditation. What does that solve outside of me? Nothing. But it's about solving what's within me. And when I did meditation, I started realizing that it was very hard to stop thinking. Um, and that's when I started realizing that my thoughts are the problem. And um, I realized I started getting connected to I'm not my thoughts because mm. um, I'm, I'm able to watch them and be aware that my thoughts are the problem. I'm able to throughout the day, you know, my, my brain uh, in the morning wants a candy bar and energy drink. That's a craving, you know, that's the brain wanting dopamine. Mm. I'm able to be aware that my brain wants that and say, but what do I want? You know, and I can ask myself that question, like, what's the meaning of life? I can ask life that question every minute of every day. And what is my meaning? And uh, my meaning is not to eat a bunch of junk food. My eating, my, I want to eat healthy hmm. so I can experience that. You know what I mean? So exactly. it's like, you know, I started becoming aware and conscious and waking up. And then I realized there's this whole community of people that believe the same thing, which is really cool. So, you know, people like Zen masters and there's a lot of authors that talk about mindfulness. And uh, I got really involved in that and uh, reading the books and joining meditation communities and um, then I did LSD, and uh, <laughs> that was, that was that. about like, three three weeks ago. Oh shit! Was, I I was like, see, like the thing with psychedelic drugs, I don't consider, I never would have considered them a relapse for me. As a matter of fact, the six and a half years I talked about earlier, for the first two years I took psychedelics, and so I've always known that I've had a healthy relationship with them. Uh, I know they don't trigger me to want to use something else. I know my intent is different. They're not done as an escape. Like I talked about escaping my thoughts. Like when I use pot to help me sleep at night because I'm thinking too much, the last thing on my mind would be to use shrooms. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I thought about it. I, I didn't jump into it and like, hey, I'm doing – I never done LSD before in my life. It wasn't like, hey, I'm popping this and this will numb me out and I'll have a good time. No, I sat there for a bit like kind of scared. 
Like, and it was much more of like the reason I took it was how, how much did you helped. take? God, I took one hit, but that shit was strong. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the the person I was with who gave it to me was like, I just asked her how much would it take for me to really hallucinate, and she said one hit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. And uh, going into <laughs> it, I, I had heard it helps with PTSD, depression, anxiety, addiction, and I I kind of know that like altering your perception can help you in ways like it's a tool i saw it as a utility to explore consciousness and look at my my situation with depression and the relapse and the whole because i was already in a good place i'd already been meditating i wasn't really depressed um but that being said it wasn't like i was fully awakened uh there was a part of me that still had some questions as to what really happened and mm-hmm. uh, so i took i took lsd as a utility to explore those questions you know and it ended up being the most life-changing experience in my life. I think it was very important, though, that I was already on a good path. Like, I already had been sober. I was already in support group meetings. I already was meditating and finding this new way of living where I could find satisfaction within through my awareness rather than on the surface all the time. It was important for me to be in that place, and I took it um, because I think that's what kept me from that, – that made me more able to explore what it was trying to show me. Mm. And it showed me the trippiest shit in the world, bro. What did it show you? (laughs) Oh, God, dude. It basically... uh, Oh, God. showed you God. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't use the word God because, like, a lot of people already have conceptions of what God is or isn't, if he's real or not. I just saw something that is without a name, and it was a light. And then this light was a pure loving light that I just wanted to be with. And it wanted to be with me, and it was like something I could stare at forever. And it, mm. it was just—it it was an energy that was beyond anything I ever felt. And it was love, and it was showing me all my past experiences. Um, I, I was abused as a kid, and it was showing me my experiences. But it was more so focused on, you know, um, it was focused on like my fa- my father and me. Uh, it was like the love connection, how it was created by love, how my parents loved me. It was highlighting all the love I've had in my life. Mm. And it was showing me that this is what created me. And uh, wow. that this this love always wants to be with me, and I truly always want to be with it. But then I started seeing what some people would call Satan, like darkness. And what darkness was, was like everything that was keeping me from being with this light. And it was... Um, all these obstructions and it was just everything in the world that you can imagine. Um, it was mainly like, like it was mainly, it showed me obstructions outside of myself. So I was abusive towards my ex and it was showing me how I was building these walls around her so that she couldn't see this light. Mm. So she didn't love herself. But then it showed me the reason I was building these walls around her is because there was walls in my own consciousness that told me I didn't deserve love. So if I don't deserve it, she doesn't deserve it. And the reason I felt I didn't deserve love is I was always focused on the pain. So it's like with with uh, my parents had a rough divorce and to an extent it was abusive. And I was always focused on stuff like that, like the abusive part of the relationship. But this this showed me that focusing on the pain is the walls mm. and not focusing on the light. And then the light was – and I even – dude, it was so trippy, dude. I was like literally – and it felt so obvious of an answer talking about this. feels like you know, I'm, ta- I'm teaching like – fifth grade spirituality to an extent but that's what what was so confusing to me it was like it's so obvious and i even relived going into therapy and rehab and i like saw the energy of the room it's not like i physically saw it 
but I just saw this person. I was so confused, and these counselors are trying to show him right what was right in front of him, mm. and it, he wasn't gonna see it until he just opened his eyes. It was almost like like it was like looking up at the sun. Simple, it's right. there. Yeah, there's no complicated path to it. It's there, and so like with that. I, I got connected to an external conception of something bigger than myself that's with me at all times, which whether or not it's real doesn't matter. Whether or not it works for me and it makes me happy, that's what matters. So exactly. that that's all that matters to me. You know, I don't really care. So I believe even in this corona apocalypse and stuff, it's like if hypothetically, like I, I don't plan the outcome, so I don't plan on being homeless. But even hypothetically, were that to happen in the now, I believe this light is with me. Hmm. Uh, and that this light is still there. And I believe that our whole system is set up because the whole system doesn't want people to believe that they deserve love. No, no, no. It's like, yeah, the whole system wants us to think, how do you deserve love? You become important. You're needed. You're like a doctor, an engineer, a, a psychiatrist. You right. work at McDonald's. And it's like, it doesn't even have to be said. It's like, it's this belief, unconscious belief system where the person that works at McDonald's like they could be working way harder, just be really good people, real kind, generous, merciful. But it's like, no, we respect the billionaire. And it's like we all cling to them. Does any, You know what I mean? And it's like the whole system is wrong. Hmm. And the, that this and this whole system is Satan. <laughs> like that's basically like yeah, this whole Satan. And it's like this darkness. It's a spirit of darkness that wants us to not believe that we can have the light. Well, and it's, it's sad it's, that, be that way. It's interesting you say that because I had a really dark trip a few years ago that showed me that this matrix is basically a satanic prison in in a sense. And I remember because yeah. you said something about like you know Satan keeping you away from the light and distracting you and stuff. And there's a book called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill who wrote Think and Grow Rich. And he talks about the devil he says that his main purpose in life is to distract you, to stray you off your path. So it throws all this resistance in your way. And like, you know, it could be porn or fucking careers or I don't know, whatever it may be, but it just throws whatever it can in your way so you can step away from who you truly are. Like that's its purpose. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I guess it depends on how, whether or not you let fear control you or not, but sort of like video games, you know what I mean? Like you're always going to have bad guys and bosses and obstacles mm -hmm. that you need to jump. But yeah, it's just interesting that you said that because that's exactly how Satan was described in this book. So Yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a force. It's not it's, like a, it's, a red it's, demon figure, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's that thing where it's like even jealousy is like, it's like, you know, one one guy is super attractive, like Brad Pitt. And yeah, then yeah, the yeah. other guy is not. And it's yeah. like people think he deserves love. And that's like that's unspoken. But it's like, you know, people are like, man, you're an attractive guy versus you're like obese or whatever. And you're overweight and you're out of shape and you're not that attractive. It's like, oh, you know, the woman just ignore him. Mm. And it's unspoken, but it's there. And it's like we see it and we know it's wrong. This is why guys like I got jealous in relationships. So my girl girlfriend would hang out with guys, my ex, because um uh, I felt like that was wrong and she was going to be deceived by the system and cheat on me. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like yeah. some deep part of me irks that this is wrong. We know this system is wrong, you know, and it is wrong. And I believe that's, it's the devil. And how do we turn away from it? Well, like the, when I saw this light, I realized my purpose on this earth is to serve this light. And this light is all I ever want to be with. 
and I focus on that. Exactly. And I focus on that. And I believe everybody deserves the light. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how little you have, how attractive you are, how how many subscribers you have. Nothing matters. It's like everybody deserves this light. And mm. um, I could be walk a walking symbol of that light, and that's my purpose in this life. And I Fuck yeah. now that's I, awesome. I, I, yeah, I believe you know. And this is just like purely what I believe. I mean, there's like two trains of thoughts. Like we die and uh, nothing happens. Which when you're when you're dead, it's like you don't remember ever existing. Like to me, it sounds not like that bad of an option. Like death isn't that scary to me anymore. Or there's the idea of we become pure conscious beings. In other words, we leave our mind and our bodies behind, and we are just consciousness. And it's like weightlessness, I imagine. And we we meet the whatever created the universe, which right. I believe it's 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 this light of love and compassion and mercy, this great thing merging with and, source. Mm. Yeah, and you know, people ask like, why do bad things happen to good people? And it's like I said before, it's like, you know, the ego weeps for what it lost, but our consciousness it, it rejoices for what it's found. So people look at somebody who's like in adversity, like poverty or whatever, and think, how could a god put them through that? But I believe on a conscious level, there's some we don't see. Exactly. We see a person on a physical level that the world system has turned against, and obviously Satan hates this person or the world <laughs> system put this person down. But on an inner strength level, that person is higher than most beings on this earth. You know mm. what I mean? I don't think that the person that was born in a rich home that becomes a billionaire celebrity, um, you know, I don't believe they – some of them do have that inner strength. Don't get me wrong. It's not a broad judgment. But just because they have that doesn't mean that, you know, mm. they, they have it all. Well, you know, some, some, person, some of those people live in the most hellish realities that we couldn't even fathom, you know? Yeah. It, it's like – like like you were saying before, like there's a blessing in every curse and a curse in every blessing. It depends on how you choose to act on what's given to you, you know, what hand do you have? Some people get a shitty hand, but like, what are you going to do? Just complain about it and, you know, it's like, like you're talking about the spoiled person. Some people would think that's a good thing, like a, a child inheriting millions and millions of dollars from their wealthy parents, but... Imagine what they'll do to that discipline. They'll have zero drive to do anything in life because everything's given to them on a silver platter. And they some many times they end up being the most miserable type of people who get into all sorts of troubles, man. They drugs and all that, so Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I believe like I choose to believe that there's something after I believe after we die our consciousness goes on and I don't know much beyond that, but I, I do believe this universe is created by this loving force and I mm. believe that if it has the ability to create the stars, the earth, all space, all matter, then it has the ability to um to take somebody who went through a bad time like oppression and make up for it by showing them their inner strength. You know what I mean? Well yeah, well dude yeah. man, some of the most holy of prophets of our time have had the most fucked up upbringing you know so it's like well, think about like jesus i don't know that's one example look what he had to fucking go through yeah you know or fucking exactly or like the dalai lama his whole family got mur like fucking slaughtered in tibet you know so a lot of yeah. the, a lot of our greatest leaders have gone through the most like the heaviest suffering but they were able to transcend it so, and then the people who've gone through zero suffering throughout their life and everything's gone fine and dandy, they don't have like much character development about them. You know yeah. what I mean? They're kind of like plain vanilla, but they've had a good yeah. life. So it's like, again, 
it's not good or bad. It's just there's a blessing in every curse, curse in every blessing. You can't escape the polarity of existence. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and this light, this light exists within us, and it's crazy because whenever we're faced with adversity, we're kind of forced to find it to comfort ourselves. It's like this one guy was reaching out to me, and he talked about his girlfriend leaving him, and he's going through a lot of pain. I made a video on that on my main channel once, mm. and then um, it was the first time. This is after the LSD experience. It was the first time that, because I, I basically that was the worst thing I ever went through in my life. But it was the first time I was truly grateful for it. Mm. So what psychedelics did for me is to help solve PTSD a lot. Because mm. when I thought about my relationship with my ex, I thought about the pain, you know, the bad times. Yeah. But I started to realize that that pain made me who I am today. Like I, I, it was like this recognition that I am a stronger person now. Even when I walked through depression this last time, the one restitution I had that I held on to is I've went through something worse than this, which is losing my ex. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's changed me in a way of being more compassionate. I'm better in relationships with people. You know, I'm less entitled. Hmm. I understand. I, I don't take people for granted because I took her for granted and she left. Hmm. Like it taught me so much. It made me so strong that LSD it made me able to see that pain as a blessing almost. Yeah. If that makes sense. You were humbled. I, I, yeah, it's like we were talking about earlier before. Like because I was literally walking through a war zone to the point where I even got tear gassed and I've never seen such rage and violence with my own eyes so that when I come here and then this whole virus pandemic happened, it's like, Oh, this is, this is easy. This is fucking, I'm cruising. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's not really that big of a deal, but for people who've never gone through harsh challenges in their life, they're fucking freaking out. You know what I mean? Cause that's like the peak of their challenges. So yeah, sometimes it's good to purposely put yourself through challenges. That's why I like traveling through like, rural parts of third world countries and sometimes i in in a way it's not that i like seeing fucked up shit but it's like my mind doesn't like it but my soul kind of craves for it in a way because it's sort of like testing grounds and i don't know kind of like being more humble and appreciative of what you've got because once you've you know like i've traveled through india and i've seen some fucking hell man some real horrific shit so then when i come back to australia it's like man this is paradise you know, yeah, we have it so exactly. easy. We have resources. We have like, and then when that's why it's a, a pet peeve of mine is when I see like privileged people who live in a developed country. When when I see them complain, that really grinds my gears, man. Because it's like, man, you have no idea <laughs> the suffering yeah, that people a... go through around the world, and you're bitching because you got a a white iPhone instead of a black one or whatever, you know. Yeah, but even in those third world countries where people are suffering, they adapt. You know what I mean? Like the key, there's somebody who said like the the way people survive is to adapt. Like yeah, that's how yeah. you survive. Well, it's, if you it's don't like adapt, South, it's you like, will die. Yeah, yeah. It's like South America. You know, uh, you could say from a Western perspective that it's a really fucked up continent, and it is in many ways for sure. But I've noticed that the people there's like there's a bigger heart there. There's more passion. They they dance more. Yeah. They, they laugh louder. You know they show more compassion and they understanding like just the average latino person for me is a lot wiser than the average let's say you know australian for example and i know i'm over generalizing but it's just from what i've perceived and experienced it seems to be that they're just a lot more grateful for what they have because they've been yeah. through shit they've been through revolutions they've seen the military kill their families and just like shit that we couldn't even fathom you know what i mean like 
Australia, for example, has never gone through a revolution. So to me, it's very concerning how people are reacting now because when something really serious happens, and like I, like we talked before, this is serious, but I'm talking like much more serious on a much bigger catastrophe level. People aren't going to be able to handle it, man, because we've been mm-hmm. in our comfort bubble, separated from everywhere. It's interesting how, because Australia, we're our own continent, island and country, but so we're not very... We're not con- we're not constantly being aware of being surrounded by other cultures and and countries and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, like, what you're seeing is like there's like that infliction. It's we're not used to it, so the ad- adaptation has to happen like to an extreme, you know. And how how do people in third world countries adapt to suffering? You can't change the outside world, so the adaptation is not about a physical change. It's much more about an internal change. Mm. You know, and I think a lot of people don't know how to adapt to this. Like, if it, and they're projecting it going all these bad ways and, and like worrying about it. What was someone said some really profound, like, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. You start realizing in life that you've been in situations where it was like your worst imaginable nightmare, but you were comfortable in it because mm. you adapt, you adapted. You do, you do. It's like the only way we're going to adapt. Yeah, we're going to adapt, and we're and the only way that we're going to adapt is to change on the inside. And the inside is giving less weight to our sur- surroundings and focusing more on this inner realm. So, to, and I think that's what psychedelics, they that's what they do. They they kind of connect us to our conscious. It's a consciousness experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and like everything's relative. Serving our brains. We just yeah. we, humans get used to shit. That's that's the problem. Like someone who's like super depressed and anxious and has all these fucked up mental health issues. I'm sure some kid somewhere in the world would kill to switch positions with that person. You know what I mean? Just for yeah. for what they have. So yeah, it's all it's all relative, I guess. And like you said, adaption. Humans. That's how we've survived for so long. We're masters at adapting. It's actually quite yeah, remarkable. No, it's like I'm. How are you gonna adapt to this? And that the only way to adapt is to find peace within. Because mm. you're not gonna adapt changing. We can't change what's happening right now outside of us. So. The adaptation has to happen within, and I think people are going to find that. I think this is um, this pandemic is like a blessing and a curse at the same time because I think it's going to wake people up. A mm. lot of people are going to wake up because they're yeah. put in that situation where they have to adapt. You're never going to choose to adapt to adversity. You know, like for me, I, I adapted before because I was going through depression, and that's why this seems a lot easier for me because when I was going through depression, it's like I told you before, it didn't make sense. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought I could be like this the rest of my life. And that's the thing about depression is nobody else sees it. Only you go through it. It makes you dysfunctional. And it's like people will invalidate, like just choose to be happy or whatever, you know, and they don't even know what you're going through. But oh, like we're in That this makes you together. feel even worse because it's like, fuck, yeah. now I feel more isolated and you really don't understand what I'm going through. It's like sometimes yeah. when you're just like expressing your pain, sometimes all you want is acknowledgement, not for someone to be like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Just do this. It's like, it's not quite that simple yeah some people exactly just want to be heard you know i appreciate I this experience we're going th- at least we have each other that's one thing i would say oh, to people yeah. like uh, uh, like well you know the whole world system collapses we're out in the streets we'll hunt squirrels together or quokkas <laughs> or whatever get some kangaroo get some kangaroo uh drumsticks Fuck you know yeah. we'll, we'll be in it together you know you can think of some close friends or just people or as a community Kangaroo uh, drumsticks. That's hilarious. Maybe we'll go back to tribalism. You know, fuck the government. <laughs> yeah. 
that would be interesting be connected to nature again you know ground yourself walk barefoot in nature yeah just go back the to worst case scenario from. is not that bad and once it happens trust me we will adapt to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's uh, projecting it and, and worrying about it no wait until it happens when it's actually happening we'll, we'll get through it you know yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine it's like yeah. in- integrating your roots you know but i don't think we can really go back to the way we to where we came from because we've already opened up pandora's box this is a new reality now <laughs> yeah you know we yeah, might like yeah. we might take things from the past for sure like you know growing your vegetables fruits hunting whatever but with all this new technology and the knowledge that we have now there is no turning back yeah but it's kind yeah, of it, exciting it's you know? crazy it's exciting and yeah. terrifying depending on your perspective but better to choose to try to see it as exciting though but yeah, it's yeah. like it's crazy because after looking through all this stuff which i i spend a little time doing but i'm thorough i go through my sources this is bad <laughs> like i i can't comfort somebody by saying this isn't that bad i could comfort nah. somebody saying well adapt things will be okay like but this is bad. Like the system is crashing. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, for sure. The economy in the United States, at least, is completely failing. Like, and um, the the leadership. I'm not even here to get political, but it's it's bad. They're talking about basically uh, on Easter they're just gonna reopen everything and just say some people will die and it's okay. Yeah. But they're like focused on saving the economy. But the problem is they reopen it and there's dead bodies piling in the street. Nobody's going to go to work or go to Chili's or go spend money. Everybody's <laughs> going to still be worried the economy will tank. But it's just like the, the, the herd immunity will take forever to get through. And then by the end of that, the economy – I mean I think that the economy can shoot back up. I'm not a predictor of the future, but I'm just saying we're, we're at, we have some troubling times. You know, <laughs> like – yeah, I totally yeah, yeah. Understand people's fears, like I get it. You know what I mean. But eventually, that's when it, things will go back up, ebbs and flows, man. Principle of rhythm. There's always yeah, t- like all, always waves, ups and downs. So this is a bit of a down right now. But you can take advantage of this, man. I've, I've heard a lot of like wealthy people talk about like success principles of when people are in panic mode and everyone's fucking retreating that's when you should step forward and invest, you know? And mm-hmm. when everyone's greedy, that's when you should be. <laughs> yeah. Step back a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even like the way we were before, at least here, it was good. I mean, it was a lot better than the third world countries, but for poor people, like a homeless person, how's this going to impact them? Hmm. You know, they might get coronavirus and get sick, especially a younger homeless person. They might not die, but if, say they don't die, this would have no impact on them mm. because well, the economy little. is mm. – yeah, yeah. I mean they're, they've already been struggling to survive. There's people that work like three jobs. It's like you know, how is this going to impact them? And I, I've even known people that are homeless that they went from working three jobs to being homeless by choice. And they said being homeless isn't that bad. It's just people fear monger and mm. act like it's so horrible. But it's honestly it's better than when I was working three jobs and barely getting by. <laughs> so he just said one day, he just said, I choose to be homeless. Hey man, and better he, than World fun. War II, right? Yeah. I'm assuming. I, he, I didn't live through World War II, but I'm going to assume that this is not as bad. You know. Even death, like people are so afraid of dying right now, which is, yeah. I understand it. I'm always going to have a fear of death, but it's like for people that have already been struggling to survive, it's like death isn't as scary or people that have been through depression. It's like death is a part of life, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, yeah. You can't have life without death. 
You can't have death without life. And I believe that death is the most spiritual experience is when I will, this is just how I assume it will be is that, um, you know, it'll be the one time where I'll see what it meant to live and I'll, I'll wish I could be present mm. and be alive. It's like, I'll, I won't be like on my deathbed. No one have three minutes left to live. I won't be thinking how much money do I have? How's the economy doing? Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, how, what am I going to do when yeah. I, what am I going to eat later? All I'm going to think about is the now and I'm yeah. going to think about the people I love. You know what I mean? Like death is that one moment where we see what life was about. And then uh, death is like, it's a, it's a part of life. I would say when we grow older, like when I grew older, it's like life lost its magic. And that was part of the depression. Mm. Life becomes more about profit, survival, ego, you know, building up a reputation. And like the simple things as a kid, like seeing magic in the outdoors, they, it ceases to lose its, it's, it stops having magic. And that's why we have kids. Without mm. death, there would be too many people. There'd be too many. We wouldn't all fit. That'd be and horrible. why do we have kids? Ima- imagine, yeah, like, yeah. as much as we all love our parents, of course, but imagine if they lived forever. Would they want <laughs> for to? eternity. Like, yeah, would That's they so even horrible. want to live for eternity? I think we have kids because we lose magic after so many years because we have to survive, and we like to see the magic in our kids. So when they open up a Christmas present, like, all the people get together, and, like, the kids being there is the highlight of the show because – Kids still find magic and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's sad yeah. how we kill our inner child within, you know. Because I went through the same thing. I think that's probably why you and myself got into drugs and high stimulus yeah. sort of activities, you know, just to kind mm. of oh, give us a night, like crazy experience, yeah. you know, that turns us on. But yeah, even now, like yeah. I, that's it, there was a certain point even the start of my psychedelic journey where for sure I was doing it for self-development and awakening and all that. But in a way I was like looking for these drugs to tap into the magic and the fantastical aspects of reality. Whereas now I find it just normal reality, man. It's fucking incredible. Even technology, like just the very fact that the internet exists is fucking mind boggling, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or, or just how yeah. nature works or animals or just humans. It's fascinating. You bring up animals, and they're, they're like, they're, they're, honestly, animals have been such a uh, source of motivation. and insp- I learn more from animals than I learn from people. Mm. Animals are like in the present. Like, what's the meaning of life? Everybody wants some higher meaning. I used to be that way. Like, I need yeah, a legacy. Yeah. I built up my YouTube channel. It's like, I need to create a legacy. I need to help people. I need to have some meaning. But what if the meaning of life was just to be alive? And a lot of people have, have contested me on that. Exactly. But I, I'm I'm starting to learn that I understand the resistance to something like that. That there is no other meaning. The meaning of life is to be alive, and dogs get it. They get what it. The man. They get it. You ask a dog, "What is your meaning to be a dog?" <laughs> you know what I mean. But in a I way, love they you, have master. everything that they need. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have everything that they need. They tr- like we need physically need food, shelter, water. I, I don't deny that, but there's like a deeper need. A, yeah, a need yeah, yeah, like yeah. self. Maslow's hierarchy is like the self-actualization. Yeah. And that, to me, the meaning of life is to be alive. You know what I mean? Well, it's and, like, uh, yeah, continue, sorry. No, that's just when you, everything you have, deep down, you have it all, you know? Well, so, like, animals have been so inspirational. For sure. It's like Alan Watts said, you know, uh, what is it? Chop, chop wood, fetch water. After enlightenment, chop wood, fetch water. Like, things, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, 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 and that's like I, I I've been just doing a whole lot better in my recovery. It feels like I live for something deeper, and then the surface things can shake up, but it's like 
physically adversity could hit me, but deep down this thing is unshaken. Mm. You know what I mean? I see that whatever happens is a challenge rather than an obstacle, something I need to dodge or avoid. Like pain is something now more so I I embrace and try to walk through. Mm. And I see it as a challenge. Your roots are planted in the ground now, so when a storm yeah. hits you're, you you know like you know you're planted there you're not going to let the storm yeah. blow you away and that's the even just the growing your roots it's like Carl Jung said for you to grow to heaven your roots must go towards hell and that's the suffering and the pain and that character development it's like this process of purifying like hitting a sword against the fucking iron hammer you know you got to fucking it's got to go through so much heat and force and then it's you got a nice awesome sword you know Exactly. And it's like I've always been confused because, you know, I live in Western culture and it's blasphemous to say that, you know, you're a god or I'm a god because it's blasphemous to look for God in anything other than the Bible or church or this, that or the other. But I never truly found like a relationship with something higher until I looked within myself. Mm. It's like the one place I start realizing, well, where would uh, where would Satan hide this light that I saw in LSD? Well, he'd hide it in the in space, but eventually we'd find it. He would hide it at the bottom of the sea. Eventually we'd find it. He could hide it anywhere in the earth or space, and we'd eventually find it because we launch things in space, go travel. We're intuitive creatures. Mm. But if you hit it within ourselves, that would be the last place we would look. You know mm. what I mean? <laughs> it's true. It's a good good place to hide it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the best hiding spot. So, so I'm just grateful, man. It's like being free. You know, I haven't been this happy. So when I told you earlier about my relapse, I said my recovery was never really right because it was very much so based on the outside of me. Mm. You know, now I'm sober, so now I'm going to accomplish a lot, work out a lot. And uh, I acted my way into loving myself. I said, what would I do if I did love myself? And that worked back then, but eventually it was going to fail because I had to really look for love within myself that was always there and always will be, Mm. you know, the eternal principle. And now, like my recovery is completely different. So I've been I've been the happiest I've ever been in my life, even amidst all this chaos. Uh, sometimes I get wrapped up in it, you know, and I get kind of frustrated when I see people acting crazy. And I'm like, God, man! I like I told you, I walk into Walmart and I'm like, they buy everything good. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, I get a little frustrated when people are still gathering here. Like we have social distancing and they're having like pool parties. I look at them like, what is wrong with yeah. you? <laughs> Right, it's okay to be frustrated, you know, it's, it's part yeah. of being human. And some, even like yeah. for, for myself, like as an artist, I purposely allow myself to get angry and frustrated, but more of, of like, a, oh, look, this is entertaining. I just like to fuel that and then use that as some, as like to create something, you know, but I don't yeah. get attached to it. I can let it go. It's like a movie, you know yeah. what I mean? Like how boring would the protagonist be if he never got angry? He was always at peace. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely it'd be fucking boring and like the stupidity thing as well something's another pet peeve of mine it's like man you've got this crazy pandemic of this virus that's killing people because of low immunities and then what do people buy first flour wheat which is horrible for your immune system and they're buying all this (laughs) junk food (laughs) like their priorities are all fucked up man this is the time where we should be healthy like man you look at the fruit and vegetable section it's filled completely and then you look at all the like noodles, pasta, flour, oh, God. all the shit that's I told terrible myself, for your immune system. And that's the I shit that myself, people go for. I told myself, bro, the same thing. I was like, I'm going to use this time to get healthier. And for personal reasons, I just got done eating a lasagna in the shower. <laughs> in the shower? <laughs> I'm just picturing you eating lasagna in the shower now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, very I'm charming. Do, I, I think I'm just. I gotta get healthier, man. I got that. You got it, man. I ate all the junk food. I got junk food and healthy food. I ate all the junk food first, so the physical body is so important, man. Like everything's a reflection of the all, you know, God, whatever you want to call it. So sometimes yeah. even people get stuck in this spiritual materialism where they think that this physical reality is, doesn't matter at all, and it's all about the inner. But it's it's both, man. The outer is the inner. It's a reflection of the inner. So sometimes mm-hmm. the physical world is actually something that you need to focus on. It depends on where you are. Like, I guess if you're too focused on the external world, then obviously you need to go within. If you're too within and your physical world is, you know, could be yeah, better, you that's when you should go brain. external. Our brain is here to protect us. That's why we have eyes, scent, hearing. Uh, like part, A big part of it is to protect us from a tiger, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's not like be so spiritual when a tiger's around. You just sit there like, oh, I'm good. I see people doing really dumb stuff, you know. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. <laughs> you know, because like, like they're they're uh, even churches haven't closed down, and they're doing that thing where they're putting their hand on each other's heads, and people are like, <laughs> you need Jesus during these times. No, no, it's a savior. I'm like, use your minds. That's when the physical becomes the physical's a tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it's really profound. Like now, I I look at the this physical reality more psychedelic than any state that I've been in now, just because of my perception and how it's shifted. It's so mm-hmm. profound, man. Yeah, it's there's a lot to do here. Even boredom that is a concept that doesn't even enter my mind anymore because there's a lot to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Sweet, so, man. yeah, man. Um, I reckon that's a good. Way to end the podcast, don't you think? Yeah, we're at an hour and 21 minutes. Yeah. It felt fast, bro. It did. Time goes quick. See, that's when you know you're, you're having fun when just it just becomes I think it timeless. came out good. I thought it was good. <laughs> I like your lighting situation. It's like, I don't know, it's just like your head glowing. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, yeah, I can't even see. It's it. like everything's black around you except for like your arm oh and your God. head and your mic. Shit, turn this shit up. Satan. Nee. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Uh, blue, oh shit! Blue. Now you're blue. Oh shit! Yeah, that one's cool. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a bit more neutral. Too... Oh damn! Oh god! That's like I... Avatar shit. Nee. <laughs> I love this light. I've been streaming a lot on my second. I don't know what I'm gonna do on my main channel. I kind of like. I've, I think I'm gonna come back after the Corona things died off. It's just so on people's minds right now, you know. Mm. YouTube sent out that thing. They're like, hey, we have less employees, so you're more likely to get a strike and less likely to be able to appeal it. And I was like, oh, great. And I was just kind of like feeling like I need a break anyways because the algorithm's been hitting me down. Yeah, me Ever too. since I put out the relapse video. Your channel's been booming, though. You're about to hit 200K. Yeah. Oh, it's a t- I that's okay. Because I've, I've last time we did a podcast, I'm, I'm pretty sure I had more subscribers than you. And then now you're like, you fucking... Boom, you've exploded, man. I'm really happy for you. I was like looking at your channel. I was like, fuck, you got like, you know, getting good views, doing Bad good content. Now, bro. I'm getting like uh, 20, 22,000 views a day, maybe. I'm like, damn. I'm That's like heaps. dead. Huh? 22,000 a day. Isn't that like a lot? No, I'm used to 50. Yeah, but man, you got to think about 22,000 pairs of eyeballs (laughs) looking at you i don't know what happened some people don't get twenty thousand people looking at their shit in their lifetime man so 
That's why how I yeah, look at I'm, it. Yeah, I'm grateful. It's just it's so different than before. It's like you ever since I released that relapse video, I don't know why, but the algorithm has just been out to get. That's when it dropped from 50 to 20. See, that's it's just keep, like that relapse mind, video. Man, that, getting used to shit. Oh, I'm only getting 22,000 <laughs> a day, uh, a day as back. well. I wonder. I'm waiting for this corona thing to dissipate. It just feels like such an elephant in the room. I, I, like, I'm going to do podcasting, you know? Dude, I reckon... Well, actually, you can do whatever you want, but I'm going harder during these times. I think this is when we're in a good position. More people at home watching YouTube, so yeah, I'm just gonna go harder. Because yeah. I was, dude, I was supposed yeah. to go to Mexico next month for like a month, so those plans are obviously cancelled. Not yeah. officially, but I'm assuming unless we go through some amazing miracle that changes the state of the world, but I doubt that's gonna happen. So. Yeah, the cases are exponentially increasing. So, yeah, it's gonna be hard to do interviews now. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was gonna, whole... I was planning on doing like we're gonna do peyote on like this sacred land in Mexico and go on a desert walk. Hey, yeah, I want. I want. Hey, you did San Pedro, right? Yeah, I did San Pedro. Yeah, yeah, I did it. Did it work? A month. Yeah, it definitely works. I like San Pedro is actually my favorite psychedelic. Yeah, well, I don't want to say I, favorite, but the one that I resonate with most. I like that masculine grandfather gentle energy to it, you know, yeah. versus ayahuasca, which is a little bit more intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And hard, um, yeah, harder to put the dots together. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting some uh, some good cactus. But dude, one day I find a good cactus. I'd love to invite you to uh, Peru with me if I could. If I could fly you out, would you come? I would fly myself out. I got to. No, no, I could get you. I, I reckon the ayahuasca shit's scary. Yeah, but we we can go. Maybe it's not concrete, but just I reckon January would be a good time. Peruvian torch. Yeah, dude, it'll be That's awesome. Right. Imagine us being in the Sacred Valley, the mountains, the mystical mountains of Peru. Dude, I would do it, man. Fuck yeah! All right, it's a done. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna. Yeah, I think with YouTube, I'm just I, the big thing is I want it to be a hobby. You know, like one thing I did. Brighten like up your I'm light a bit. I can't see you. Oh wait! Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> let me turn. Let me change this shit. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I'm learning like YouTube. It took too much energy. I'm trying to like treat it as a hobby again. I feel like I need a break to do that. It's weird. I, I know. Like, I got way yeah, too yeah. wrapped up in it, and like I don't know how long the break's gonna last. I just know I need one. You know, I need mm. to focus more on like physical fitness, music, podcasting, other things, mm. and bring it back. And I hope my audience still remembers me, and I'm not like dead, like basically dead by then. But I'm just letting it go. You know. Nah, it's good letting to go for a break every once in a while. Like sometimes I go on breaks, but without going on breaks. So what I mean by that is that I'll just schedule a whole bunch of videos. So then I won't actually have to upload or anything like that for like a month or two. But I would already have those have videos ready. Have you ever ready. taken like a really long break? No, I haven't. Well, because this is like my gig. I guess it's that fear of like, oh man, but if I take too long of a break, then the algorithm is going to punish me further. People are going to forget about me. I'm going to lose yeah. everything. And then what am I going to do? Get a job? No way. Fuck that. And then I just like kind of go yeah, on this I fear loop, you know. I've been realizing lately, like self-employment, it's it doesn't work. I like having a lot of time, but I realize when I have t- too much time, I end up being less productive in general. Like it affects me. I know you. Like, I, I, it's funny that you say yeah. that because um, I want to have a job, but still being self-employed. 
you know you know what i mean yeah, like, i like, want neo tip to be like a weekend gig you like, know what i mean is, this is too flexible because i can do i can do this at my own time whenever i want but if i have something else like let's say for example hosting a retreat for example i have to be there at this certain time and i'm connecting with people that sounds cool and that's what we're doing that's what we're doing with this mexico thing so for those who signed up to the mexico retreat um yeah apologize about this pandemic it's all my fault it was a conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> i planted yeah, the yeah. bat i i fucking egged the, that guy to eat the bat so my bad was it a guy or a girl i forgot i don't know i, I don't know i heard it fell out a pangolin and it was somebody who touched and wiped their eyes it was uh it was my fault i egged them i'm like i dare you to eat that bat they're like nah 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 I'm like dude do it i'll give you 10 bucks oh my god <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, i mean uh i think taking a break's good for me i i don't know if that's just uh but i was like it's funny because in my lsd video i started off with i need to find a job and then this corona thing happens i didn't even know that i was so scared making that video i was almost as scared as my relapse video because mm. i was like well now i'm telling my whole family i did lsd and i'm telling potential future employers and uh i'm looking for a job but i did it anyways you fuck know it. and now i'm like well fuck it i can't get a job anyways <laughs> i didn't even foresee this happening and i feel like we live in times where the the stigma on psychedelics is much lower now like i, I don't even find it as a big deal talk opening mm -hmm. up about this shit i feel like everyone's had a psychedelic experience at this point yeah. not, every, not everybody but you know what i mean it's just a lot more common like five years yeah. ago i haven't i didn't meet one person in my surroundings who's ever experienced ayahuasca not one Jesus. i was the first person in my whole group to actually take the plunge and go to the amazon by myself so you could imagine how scared i was and now That's it's like that. ayahuasca is like trending you know what i mean yeah everyone's done. yeah not everyone's done it but it's it's not gonna it's not hard to find someone who's experienced it so and which yeah. is good now of course you know like we talked about before there's a blessing in every curse curse in every blessing so there is a bit of an alarming approach that some people have taken towards psychedelics and then the ayahuasca tourism industry is kind of attracting charlatans and, and evil bad shamans who are flocking to this money-grabbing situation so this is how it is, you know. Where wherever there's money to be made, there's gonna be charlatans. That's how the it's like how the kratom people are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you, you can even think about it with weed, you know. Like weed isn't as natural and and as organic as it, as it was. There's a lot more potency and people like here in Australia, there's a thing called uh, I think it's called PGR buds or whatever, where they spray like these nasty chemicals and people are having adverse side effects from Jesus. it. And it's Jesus. crazy. So you know. This is supposed to be like this harmless, natural plant, and then people are putting all these nasty chemicals. I'm telling you, man, it's like it's what happened to cigarettes. It, the West, like most people in the Western world, can't even fathom that tobacco used to be a medicine, but it is. It can actually be used as a medicine, but because we've just hijacked it and put all these nasty chemicals and just turned it into poison, now tobacco is associated with what? Cancer, cancer right yeah yeah and i can tell you it's right crazy. now there is not there are no shamans who die from lung cancer and they smoke more than anyone that i know <laughs> so yeah it's crazy right how, how does that make sense yeah yeah it's crazy yeah yeah it, that's only like resistance i've been going through is with my channel 
and like that's like something my mind gets wrapped up in like what am I gonna do and I'm trying to let go of it you know let it die and then come back to it but then yeah like you said I'm like will people forget me will the algorithm punish me they won't forget. I just can't worry I, I, that's just I the mind it's, it's just the mind's chatter yeah, you know, because honestly, I want it to be a hobby. I want to work full-time. I don't know what I want to do. I know I like working with people. But uh, I've always – I look back at my life and I was the happiest and the most productive when I had even a part-time job like in retail. Like I was happier then. I got more done when I got home because I had the energy of being out there with other people mm-hmm. working together. It's like I need to find that and more balance. I need to work on getting in shape, work on music, podcasting. And then I want YouTube to just be a part of what I do. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And uh, however long it takes me is how long it takes me, you know? That's why it depends on where you're at, what you want. Because, like, I I totally understand where you're coming from. Like, for me, I I like YouTube being, like, my main gig. I love making documentaries and having all the time in the world to to do it. Because videos take longer and longer as hard as it may be to believe videos take more effort and more time as i go on because then you've got like this pressure of like oh now i have to make better videos right you can't just make that's that's like that's your 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 channel is very light you put a lot into production i'm much more of like the topic is what's important you know yeah yeah yeah. that's i I want to start incorporating like what you're doing this that's how i started this channel so i want to have like a healthy balance Uh, i think that's when what do you mean you started uh what channel Oh, no, no, like, I like having... Oh, yeah, I used to you be like that. Just, just, just videos of just me talking, not much, not production in it at all. And I, yeah. don't, I don't do it just because I want people to like my videos better. I do it because I like it. I genuinely yeah, love yeah. photography and filmography and editing and color grading yeah. and making shit look cool and sound cool. I love that shit. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I've been getting into my second channel. I've been getting into video game streaming more on my second channel. That's just fine because it's chill. It's much more like answer questions, play Counter-Strike. I have like my audience come into the game and we like start a cult. (laughs) It's like, we're not going to shoot anybody. We're questioning the system of this game. (laughs) We're just going to explore the world with each other. (laughs) Like, why do we have to kill each other just because the game told us to? (laughs) I like uh, video game streaming. It's just fun. Yeah. I haven't played video games in a while, but I think the last one I played, I know the last one I played was Resident Evil 2, which scared the bejesus out of me, but I play, I played it as like a, a fear test. I wanted to face my fears and go through yeah. it by myself yeah. at night. But at the same time, I had to stop playing because you don't want to play horrific games like that before you undergo a psychedelic experience because then your mind's going to have all that shit just swimming around, you know? You don't want zombies to pop up <laughs> during an ayahuasca yeah. experience. Fuck that. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been into like Counter Strike a lot, and uh, it's been chill. I think we got uh So we, you're gonna, we got everything you need. I don't know if we need, if we need to record one for my. I want to. I definitely want to post something, but I don't know if. We, yeah, if no, I'm we'll do it. Have, we'll cut, take a break now. Like, well, just before we will finish this up. So, uh, just for those listening. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, just CG Kid on YouTube. All right, easy. <laughs>